Michael Blue here. All right. So this is week two of Michael Blue on everything EOS. Uh, last week, we took it for a test spin. Uh, everyone seemed to like it. We're almost up to 2,000 views, almost 50% retention time, which uh, for those non-YouTube video makers out there, that's really good. That means uh, the average person watching uh, these shows watched 50% of the time. So uh, we're here again uh, to speculate around some June news. Um, I have not had the time to dig around as much lately, but luckily for us in the Everything EOS audience and Michael Blue audience, uh, Michael has been doing some digging and it's uh, quite interesting what he uncovered. Hey, well, first off, I have to thank you, Zach, for making me look smarter than I am, man. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all in the editing process, man. People, yeah. people don't see the real thing. <laughs> I, I loved the ending. Of, I think the ending of, of that video last week was the absolute best thing, and it was a big hit among everyone who watched it. Well, hopefully we can just get more and more fun. But, yeah, we got some exciting things. So I put together this presentation, and uh, big speculation, big rabbit holes. Nothing is really definitive other than the big players that we'll be talking about. It's great news for the entire crypto space. Of course, uh, EOS is the horse we ride, and so we look at it with more scrutiny. And uh, you know what's going on with uh, June first, Block One announcements, and you know Dan Larimer with the emoji of mind blown, Block Brock Pierce saying mind blown. So something big is happening. So it's made me take a, a deep dive into uh, you know what could be possibly going on there. But I'm going to show you a presentation um, first of the. The, what Apple is releasing is their Apple Card, which is coming this summer. Huh? June is summer. June 1st of summer, right? June 1st of summer. Okay, so, so you know, coincidentally, it's coming this summer, Apple Card. Um, it looks like a game changer for, you know, what their, you know, credit cards in general and, and, and loans and, and all that good stuff. But um, once I show you that presentation quickly, uh, I'm going to do this uh, this keynote presentation, and then you just interject wherever you feel it interject, um, and then we'll just take it from there and have a little bit of fun. Sounds good? Excited. I am excited. Yes, yes. Right. Let's go. So, so right right now, this is just this is happening with Apple, regardless of what what's going on with Block One or EOS. This is happening, and there's no question about that. We're we're our job is you, you've uncovered some stuff to try to tie this into potential June EOS. Yeah, June US news. I mean, regardless if Apple Card is using crypto or blockchain, um, I'm going to get this card because it's just cool. I mean, if they're really yeah. thinking outside of the box, I think this is huge. Um, I don't see a lot of people in the crypto Twitter talking about it, but I think this is a this is a really big thing coming for Apple and the world. Is but it's hard for me not to believe that they're not going to use some sort of stable coin or a coin of their own or use um, DLT or blockchain. But uh, my speculation is they're going to be using EOS IO. Um, there's some sort of uh, partnership to be announced in June. Again, speculation, but let's go through this really quick. This is real, real quick. I keep here. You, you're, I believe involved with the Warbly project somehow. I'm going to call you out right here. We didn't go over this. What, what's up with this NDA I keep hearing about? Or I know you probably can't say anything. You're able to blink twice, nod your head. Do you know anything about this? 
<laughs> well, I, I can say this. In, in my opinion, big, big things are coming to Warbly. And only in hindsight will the EOS community understand why it's a needed com component for the whole ecosystem. So with that being said, let's talk about this exciting <laughs> Apple yeah. card. Oh, yeah. Okay, a new kind of credit card created by Apple, not a bank. There's a film. You can go on to the uh, apple.com website and watch this for yourself. But uh, Apple Card completely rethinks everything about the credit card. It represents all the things Apple stands for, like simplicity, transparency, and privacy. It builds on the incredible ease and security that millions of people love about Apple Pay. And it's the first card that actually encourages you, you to pay less interest. You can buy things effortlessly with just your iPhone or use the Apple-designed titanium card anywhere in the world. Doesn't that look sexy? It looks like a nice card. So I noticed on the one up above it at a MasterCard logo, this one does not. So I don't know if they need a MasterCard or Visa uh, partnership if it's um, one of the cash registers that basically – uh, you just put your iPhone close to the the credit card swiper. So I'm thinking maybe this credit card has that feature in it, the NFC, I believe. Right, yeah. And that that I do not know yet, but um, it's entirely possible. They do have the technology now in Apple. So moving on, um, the power of iPhone and a credit card. <clears throat> Apple Card lives on your iPhone and the wallet app that makes all kinds of new things possible. You can sign up. In no time, start using it right away with Apple Pay. For every purchase you make, you get daily cash. And this really is cash. So you can spend it however you want, right from your iPhone. Have a question, just text. It's that simple. So they're using a really cool um, artificial intelligence uh, going on here with this whole DAP. Um, so uh, it, it's quite inventive but uh, the thing that you do is you get daily cash rewards every time you spend using your apple pay so that really tells me that they're on the the crypto paradigm thinking process not saying that that they're using blockchain or crypto but at least the mentality is in there you know the you know, it's the instantaneous micropayments. So with, with a usual credit card, let's say you get 3% cash back on gasoline purchases. You don't actually see that credited until your statement the following month. Whereas this, it sounds like it's instantaneous. It's daily at least. So you're getting your, your purchase rewards every day and, and they're in small payments, which are, are usually um, cost prohibitive because of just transaction fees typically through a credit card processor. It's usually about 2.9%. Exactly. So, you know, they, they, if they are using blockchain, then I would think that they would need to use something with free transactions to, uh, to keep the overhead low for not only them, but the users. Mm -hmm. So uh, moving on, you'll know so much more about your spending at a glance. So, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, wallet apps now have similar features so you can see basically what you're spending your your money on daily. Um, so those same colors show up in your spend summary. See lots of orange, that's food and drinks. Pink, that's entertainment, looks like fun weekend. Daily cash, no points, no gimmicks. So you're seeing there these the, the NFC reader. Um, that's interesting. Is that So is that their hardware right there? Do you know? I do not know that. 
because most so most POS systems have this built in for the frequency here, but it's weird that it's almost like the big chain stores are blocking it out. If you go to Target or Walmart, you can't use Apple Pay. But if you go to like smaller stores, like gas stations, they do take it. It's really weird. Right. Um, but it looks if they have this device, that means that like if a small store didn't have an upgraded POS system, that this would probably be um, a, a low price. I don't know what the price point on that would be, but that's pretty cool just to know that they even have something like that. I've never seen that. Right. Well, and not only that, so if they go to a store or a vendor that doesn't, you know, do this, then they just pull out the sexy card and use that. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> when you buy something using Apple Card, you get a percentage of the purchase back in daily cash, not a month from now, but every day. There's no limit to how much That's you can good. get. And it goes right into your Apple Cash Card so you can use it like cash. Order some sneakers or send it, send it to your bank account or put it towards your Apple Card bill or pay a friend back for brunch right in the messages. Only iPhone gives you that flexibility. So can you imagine how viral, how mass adopted EOS would become if this truly is integrated with EOS IO to be able to, you know. Any, any cryptocurrency. I don't even care if this is Bitcoin, to be honest, or Lightning right. Network. I'd, I'd be just as happy. And I just want to kind of make that clear of this speculation. It could be EOS IO. We hope it's EOS IO. But in the broader picture, we just hope it's crypto and, and blockchain in general. So I, I just kind of want to put that out there too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same mind too. So that's Moving exciting. On. 37 cent transaction for that cash back. That, that's below the cost of using like a visa. If I wanted to send you 37 cents from me to you, Mike, it would cost more than 37 cents uh, to do that. That's why right. you'll see all stores will have like a five or $10 minimum purchase on their credit card purchases is because it's so cost prohibitive to do that. So exactly. I, I think we're on the right track here. And that's why I think this has, you know, blockchain written all over it. You know, it's just, you know, just the fact that they can do this, you know, daily, no fees, not even the hidden ones. <laughs> we want to make it easier to pay down your balance, not harder. So Apple Card doesn't have any fees. No annual, no annual cash advance, over the limit, or late fees, no fees, really. And our goal with Apple Card is to provide interest rates that are among the lowest in the industry. So who wouldn't want this card? I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, and regardless of if there's a blockchain tie-in, like I want this. I have an iPhone already. Like I have, I, I like using Apple Pay, but this is like Apple Pay, I guess, with some credit uh, limits on it and stuff. And right. It but, says it's low interest. But doesn't this just speak volumes of the the crypto paradigm we're in right now? I mean, this is where this is where blockchain's headed, anyways. And it really sounds like they're just, you know, first movers in the in the big you know, hundred, you know, trillion dollar companies. <laughs> the first credit card that actually encourages you to pay less interest. This is really interesting. Most credit card statements em emphasize your minimum amount due. And if you pay just that, it costs you a lot of interest over time. Apple Card is different. When you're ready to make a payment, Apple Card estimates the interest you'll wind up paying based on any payment amount you choose. And it does it in real time so you can make an informed decision about how much of your balance to pay down. Hmm. Let's, yeah, take a look at that. I mean, if nothing else, this is some slick UI. I like it. 
I, I mean, I like everything Apple does from a UI, XUI standpoint. Yeah, yeah. No, a new level of privacy and security. Hmm, the heck could that be about? Apple Card is designed to make sure you're the only one who can use it. All the advanced security technology of Apple Pay, Face ID, Touch ID, unique transaction codes and built, are built right in. And the physical card has no numbers, not on the front, not on the back, which gives you a whole new level of security. I mean, so uh, with Apple, Apple Pay in general, as it is, I, I think it uses some of these features. I mean, Apple is the makers of the secure enclave. So like if I want to use app, like just regular Apple Pay without this credit card, I, I basically tap my phone on the POS system and then it asks me to scan my face right after. Mm -hmm. So it is more secure, but I, I, I want to speculate here, but I also want to kind of uh, be honest with my expectations too. But I'm, I'm excited as, as, of this as a product still so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And didn't Dan mention something about uh, the secure enclave of Apple and, um, you know, doing something in relation to that? So the one thing I can say is that every uh, current wallet, so that's Token Pocket, Scatter's coming out with their mobile, uh, EOS Links, they are, none of them are using Secure Enclave yet. Um, and basically Block One seems to have the goods on that. And it seems like it's a really tough nut to crack. Like there's a reason that Nathan James at Scatter hasn't been able to do this yet. And I don't know if you need some sort of special partnership with Apple to do it. Um, that's all just speculation, but I do know that there's a lot of limitations around, uh, wallets and Apple because of how secure just the iPhone is. Um, and then the other piece of speculation is about a month ago in the, uh, EOS main channel, um, someone asked Dan for a hint on what's coming in June. And his response was like a sticker, like a, an emoji sticker of Steve jobs, like holding up an iPhone. Yeah, and yeah. most people just took that as the Apple wallet, the iPhone secure enclave wallet, which I'd be happy with that. But you're, you're kind of hoping it's much more than that. And uh, the other thing we know is that Block One or, and Dan, they're planning to open source the secure enclave code. Uh, maybe this week, maybe next week. It'll probably come out before June. So that means that their big announcement is not the secure enclave. But yet Dan still teased a sticker of Steve Jobs holding up an iPhone, so. Right, and also the, the mind-blown emoji he's, he's, he's put out there several times. So in, in knowing how much they're teasing, you know, which is unlike them, you know, their behavior over the last month or so is like, is, uh, you know, they're very excited about something. And so mm -hmm. for them to be this excited and teasing and just can't, you know, they're just dying to tell everybody, but they just, you know, can't, you know, for the time being. So it's got to be something big. Um, so anyways, so, but uh, as, as I go on, I, I'll tie more things in here to talk about. And then uh, moving on here, if you find a place that doesn't take Apple Pay, again, we talked about that, you can use the card. And then uh, moving down, to create a different kind of card, we worked with a different kind of partner, Goldman Sachs. So this is another rabbit hole we're going to dive down here in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk about all of EOSIO um, connections with Goldman Sachs. It's really interesting. Um, so Goldman Sachs, they're, they're deep into crypto. Um, you know, it doesn't get talked about a lot recently um, about Circle. 
Poloniex, um, USDC, um, but we'll, we'll dive into that in a second. Do you know uh, San Diego Kent? Yeah, I, I, I've met him both times. I was in San Francisco. Good guy, good channel. Take it for what it works. This, this is pure speculation, but you know, the fact that he's making a video about this and putting it out there, you know, there's something to it. Um, but let me just play this because it'll tie into the presentation later on. So on our Telegram, we had somebody come on our Telegram who told us that what's going on with EOS right now is that they're making an agreement with Apple Computer, the iPhone. So there's going to be an announcement in June between Apple and EOS. That's that's you know big speculation from you know an unknown source, but uh, this will mm -hmm. this will tie in in later as well. But what are your thoughts after hearing that? So it's hard for me to know how reliable it is, and D may have also just been talking about the secure enclave. So. Uh, you, I don't know if that's really considered a partnership necessarily to, to be putting a hard, like to turn an iPhone basically into a hardware wallet, which that's exciting alone. Um, but if there are rumors that there's more to this and it is a real partnership, that, that, that's bigger than huge. Like, I, I hope that's the case. Um, but I just want to quell my own expectations because yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a dreamer. I'm a bit of a dreamer mostly. <laughs> I think everything's going to happen. So. We, we got two, <laughs> hey folks, we, we got two dreamers on the line here. <laughs> okay, well, let, let, me, let me continue because I think this will, this will get a little bit more exciting here. Where did this graphic come from? Oh, I oh, it says that. Okay. That's me. I was like, holy that's, shit. I was like, holy that's, that's, uh, that's the dream in Michael Blue. <laughs> so I, I think that even without EOS IO, if this is just a wallet that has EOS as one of the integrated cryptocurrencies in it, that's just as big. Oh, yeah. um, th this really reminds me of the debit card that Coinbase put out recently that's not available in the United States. Uh, are you familiar yes. with that release? Maybe yeah. And there is a so connection between Coinbase and uh, Circle. Um, so we'll we'll get into that later, but yeah, no, I'm I'm aware of that. So they could all be in, they could, they could all be, you know, holding hands somehow here too, or or just competitors doing the same thing. So with the Coinbase debit card, what what it, and I don't have it because I'm in the U.S., but what it seems to allow you to do is so Coinbase has all of these different cryptocurrencies that are tradable on on Coinbase and Coinbase Pro. You're able to designate like a priority level of which coins you want to sell in what order. So you, you, you're at the cash register at a store and you swipe your Coinbase debit card and it, it, it you're, you're obviously paying in, in us dollars or, or um, euros or whatever your national currency is. But on the back end, what Coinbase is doing is it's making that swap. So if I buy a $10 item, it sells $10 worth of Bitcoin in the back end, And then it just does the swap on its own. So that, sounds to me like that would make a lot of sense with this. So even if it's not a block, like it's not an EOS IO blockchain necessarily, it's a, it's a wallet that could possibly handle multiple different types of cryptocurrencies in, in the same way that the Samsung Galaxy is today. Exactly, so, exactly. This yeah. is, I, I'm excited because I have an iPhone, I don't have a Galaxy. <laughs> and you'll notice the bottom of that screen, it says pure shameless speculation. 
Bloomberg has reported that you're winning funding from Peter Thiel, Jihan Wu. Can you confirm that? Yes, we can confirm that. Um, we did a strategic round a little bit um, uh, a couple months ago, and uh, you know, these, this technology is really a, um, a platform that allows us to start to disrupt some of the large centralized uh, technology platforms today. Um, and these are leaders in that space. And our next plans will make it in terms of what we build on the application ourselves. It'll become a little more apparent why we chose the investors that we have. Now, I wanted to dive into Peter Thiel just to remind everybody and, and those that haven't really dove into Peter Thiel and what a what a big player he is in the investing world, but not only investing, but also in Washington. Um, so this is, worth, this is worth reading. By now, the ascension of Peter Thiel, 50, of Silicon Valley lore. Born in Frankfurt, Germany, he immigrated to the U.S. as a child, attended college at law school at Stanford, and worked at the white shoe law firm Sullivan and Cromwell, and at a unit at Credit Suisse as a derivatives trader. In 1998, he co-founded the company, which had become PayPal, with some fellow overachievers, among them Elon Musk, the electric car innovator. In time, Thiel and other PayPal alumni, including LinkedIn's Red Hoffman and Yelp's Russell Simmons, became known as the PayPal Mafia. In 2004, Thiel had entered the ranks of history shrewdest investors when he wagered relatively modest sum of 500000 on a 10.2% stake in Facebook. Though he has since sold many of those shares for more than one billion, he remains on Facebook's board. With some of his PayPal pals, he launched Founders Fund, a venture capital operation that recently invests in a host of big name startups, including Airbnb, Lyft, SpaceX, and Spotify. Thiel's net worth over time would grow to 2.7 billion. His portfolio has also included Thrive Capital, Oscar Health, two firms started by Joshua Kushner, Jared's younger brother, and Cadre, a real estate tech company. So I just wanted to read that just to remind people and those that don't know, but this Peter Thiel holds a lot of weight. Um, and we'll get into that in just a second. Um, I, I forgot he, I forgot he was connected to Elon, actually. I knew about the PayPal Mafia, but like and I knew Elon was part of PayPal, I guess, but it's been a while since I like saw this in front of me so i appreciate that reminder yeah because, well, well yeah i mean elon, everyone wants to be part of elon if elon has anything to do with the sio which i have no evidence of that 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 just gets me excited just because it's elon right right <laughs> and here's here's trump love him or hate him you know he's the president of the united states and and look at that yeah. sincere respect you can see from that photo i mean he's he he respects peter thill and getting into this, is Trump mulling Peter Thiel for a top intelligent advisory post? And you got into this in one of your last episodes, which made me kind of go down this rabbit hole further with Elon Musk, with, uh, not Elon Musk, but Peter Thiel. Um, so venture capitalist Peter Thiel has been quietly advising the Trump administration for months. Now, sources say he could be in line for top intelligence oversight role. Steve Bannon, which name we've heard recently, White House officials, friends, and foes, Gauged the billionaire's motivations and his Washington mojo. Okay, so Peter Thiel, the elusive tech billionaire and uh, Block One investor, uh, who far from public view has wielded outsized clout within the new administration. I cannot overstate his impact on this transition, Bannon began, describing Thiel as a hidden hand in shaping Team Trump. You'll see in the near term that Peter will be taking. Uh, on new responsibilities like intelligence. 
While Trump and his communication squad may rail about Washington's permanent bureaucracy, especially those in national security positions, Bannon talked about having been in the trenches alongside Thiel as part of an offensive against the so-called deep state, a term used in certain quarters recently in the far right to describe what they see as a force within the government, including the intelligence agencies that consistently assert its power in order to maintain the status quo. Indeed, as Bannon and others avowed, Thiel, a man most Americans could not pick out of a lineup, was apparently poised to assume some serious and seriously controversial responsibilities. Now, this is interesting because Peter Thiel, you know, the elusive tech billionaire, so technology fascinates this guy. Okay, he's got a lot of clout in Washington. So he and led, he led, he led. Right. The investment round last July into block one for an undisclosed equity percentage. And the guy re that whose quote you read, Steve Bannon, as far as we know, he has no ties to block one or EOSIO, but his ties are with Brendan Bloomer and Brock Pierce. And Goldman um, Sachs. And, and he's a former Goldman Sachs guy. Wait, um, which which Apple, Apple card is basically powered by Goldman Sachs. So we're going to go through a lot of different Goldman Sachs connections to the EOSIO. So, but knowing that Peter Thiel, who's a tech enthusiast, billionaire, um, is also friends with Steve Bannon, or at least, you know, gold, maybe not even friends, but they're acquaintances in Washington. He's speaking of Peter Thiel with great respect. So wouldn't Peter Thiel be educating people about blockchain technology and being an investor in Block One EOSIO seems would come up in conversation from time to time, especially when talking about cryptocurrency. What are your thoughts on that? It makes a lot of sense to me. That's, that's all I can say is the, the connect. I mean, the connections are there. Um, I guess the biggest question is that um, Peter Thiel is involved with so many different projects. It's hard to know if his incentives are with, with building up Block One or one of his other hundreds of, of companies he's potentially, or dozens at least, of companies he's advising on. Um, but, but the fact that you read a quote from Steve Bannon talking about him, it sounds like the two of them are potentially close. Um, and to kind of add on to all of this intelligence uh, information, how, how he's going to have a bigger part in the intelligence community. Um, I don't know if this is further in your presentation, but are you going to get into Palantir at all? No, no, I didn't. I haven't dove into that yet, but uh, yeah. So, so Peter Thiel, he's had this company called Palantir. It's like a data analytics company. Um, and they work with, with on government contracts in private enterprise. But very recently, about a month or two ago, they got over an $800 million contract to do a, dish, um, a, a contract for the U.S. Army. Wow. Um, I, I got to see what this is called here. Um, $800 million. $800 million. And it's, it's a distributed. Um, damn. It, it, it has to, like, just the fact that it has the word distributed in it. Hold on. Let me pull this up. We'll have to cut this out while I read. Um, this, is, this is, like, really big paywall. Damn. 
Um, okay, so so the contract is with the Pentagon, which is obviously the intelligence piece of the U.S. government. Um, the contract was for over eight hundred million dollars, and it was for a defense. Um, okay, so it was for an intelligence system to aid soldiers in remote environments called an army distributed common ground system. So basically it's a way to um, send battlefield intelligence back and forth between uh, like the, the, um, the intelligence like data centers and the actual battlefield itself. And I don't have it all in front of me, so this is just me kind of winging it. But I, I read part of the problems with, um, so, so Palantir, Peter Thiel's company, they're actually the second company to pick up the contract for this project. And where the first project failed was that it wasn't, it didn't have like these open source components. So there's a lot of uh, like libraries for, for um, like data mining uh, that's like written in Python, like these open source code uh, libraries, but they, they weren't interoperable with this like closed loop government intelligence system. So like the recommendations were basically like, we need a system that the data is secure but people outside of the intelligence community could write programs for it to, to mine the data and, and mani like, uh, manipulate and do what they need to do with the data without actually having access to the data themselves. So I, I don't know if this is tied in. This is probably completely separate. But if you Google the terms Palantir mm -hmm. and the word blockchain, you'll, you'll see some older articles where, where there was a blockchain identity uh, component to it. And, and we know like secure data transfers... Uh, Part of what we haven't really seen yet in blockchain, but we know that with Mios, which is the social media platform we keep hearing about from Block One, there has there there will be a component where some of the data can be private and some of it can be public, because that's that's one of the the problems. I guess it's a problem and a feature at the same time with blockchain is that everything's transparent, but sometimes you don't want everything to be transparent. Like if it's your social security number or your like personal address, right? So, I, I mean, I'm just putting some pieces together, but it all points to Peter Thiel is, is where this is heading. And I, I can't wait to see your next couple of slides because I want to hear the Goldman Sachs pieces because this is all brand new to me. So this is all going to be my, my natural reaction. Yeah, just, just to uh, talk about your just discussing, you know, a couple of things came up in my mind. One was the image of Brendan Bloomer on stage on that, uh, the video where they're sitting down. I don't know where they're at if they're in Washington, D.C., that the gentleman, uh, the host is saying, you know, Washington, D.C. is going to be lucky to have you and block one here. And then mm -hmm. Brendan was talking about the use um, of blockchain and government using blockchain. Um, and then also things of uh, Dan Larimer speaking about recently about talking about the, the benefits of private and public uh, chains, EOSIO chains. So mm -hmm. he's really kind of um, almost setting the foundation and the expectations of the community that, hey, don't think that everything needs to be this decentralized utopia where everything is just this, you know? There's, there's all different, you know, levels and degrees and, and use cases and purposes that can all be, you know, interconnected, you know, through IBC that makes the overall system, the overall network decentralized. But if you look at individual pieces of the network, then maybe those individual pieces aren't as decentralized as other pieces, but all network together with, through IBC, then it becomes this decentralized, you know, 
I guess, utopia in its own. Um, what are your thoughts on that? That uh, I, whenever we were talking about more of these government connections, I, I was getting a lot of like comments and feedback of like working against the government or why let the government take over EOS. But I'm pretty sure that if the government's going to use this, they're going to be using their own versions of EOS IO. I don't think they're planning to do a whole lot of this on the mainnet. I think if there's a mainnet component to the government and the intelligence stuff, they might be posting the, a hash of the block headers to the mainnet. And that, that's kind of a piece of IBC that I could see happening is we're going to have thousands of different blockchains, some public, some private. But if they're all just posting their, their, a hash of their block headers to the mainnet, then that kind of verifies everything on a public ledger that you can go backwards in their history and know that it hasn't been modified. Because if they modify one single character in an entire block, it's going to change every, uh, the hash of every block header moving forward. So it, it kind of allows them to kind of give specific access to who they want to have access or give specific permissions to who they want to have access to a private blockchain while still being verifiable on a public blockchain just by comparing the block headers. I think that's one of the ways we'll see IBC here. Exactly. I mean, you know, we, we can't expect banks and governments who rule the, yeah. the, the, the ecosystem, the, rule the world to just roll over and just say, oh, you, you, know, you guys won. We're, we're done. Thank you. Thanks for playing. You know, they're, no, they're going to they're gonna adapt and they're going to, you know, go for it in their own way. Um, but if it is, the, the beauty of it is if it's through EOS IO network, then you can choose the island that suits your needs. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you need, if you feel comfortable with the Talos or a, or a boss or a meet one or a Warbly, or you can be, you can be decentralized yourself and be on, on multiple uh, islands, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, this is only exciting. It's, 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 of course, it's going to happen. You know, you know, governments and banks are going to utilize this technology. Um, so moving, moving on here for a second. So, um, you know, in the past, uh, Trump had a, held a tech summit. Uh, you may remember this. Um, where Jeff Bezos and Tim Cook were there and, um, you know, uh, Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook, uh, Larry Page from, uh, you know, Google, Eric Schmidt, um, uh, as, as, as well as Elon Musk. Uh, they were all invited to, uh, to meet with Trump at a, um, at a tech summit roundtable, uh, which was uh, also Peter, Thie Peter Thiel was there. And Trump opened the session by paying homage to Peter Thiel, okay? So he didn't pay homage to Bezos or Musk or Page. He, he opened the session by paying homage to Peter Thiel. So the most, probably the most underrated, the most, un, you know, the name that most people in America don't know, you know, we know it because we're in crypto and we follow stuff, but most people don't know who Peter Thiel is, okay? So so Trump opened the session of paying homage to Peter Thiel, who sat at his left in a gray pinstripe suit. You remember that image I showed you earlier where Trump was holding mm -hmm. him with both hands? It's a very sincere looking moment. Um, and let, let's not forget this other name on here, Eric Schmidt. Right. So I haven't been talking about Eric Schmidt because I am not sure of the connections that are still there. So one of the very first EOS VC announcements was for um, a, a company called Tomorrow BC, which is Tomorrow Blockchain. 
And it was a subsidiary of Tomorrow VC, which is actually Eric Schmidt's venture capital fund. Um, but the reason I haven't talked about it in a while is because all of the history of that got wiped clean off of Block One's site. So if you go on the EOS VC section of the Block One website, you won't see a mention of Tomorrow BC. And I don't know if that just means they dissolved their partnership or if they kind of threw it back under the rug for a future announcement. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure of which one it is, but there is an Eric Schmidt tie-in to Block One via a, a VC fund that is managed by someone else, but it's Eric Schmidt's VC fund. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, so going on here, um, talking about Peter Thiel, a tech investing savant, data mining wizard, and enthusiastic Trump supporter Thiel, thin, pale, and invariable serious, was credited with coaxing some of the heavyweights, several of whom had publicly endorsed Hillary Clinton to make an appearance. I want to start by thanking Peter, Trump said, because he saw something very early, maybe before we saw it. And of course, he's known for that in a different way. He's ahead of the curve. Then he warmly grabbed Peter Thiel's hand with two of his own, adding, I want to thank you. You're a very special guy. So, you know, this is very telling. So, so Peter Thiel holds a lot of respect and influence uh, in, in Washington and in the tech world and in the investing world. So, you know, Thiel can, can get the ear of anybody he wants, you know. <laughs> so assuming that he talks about his investments and assuming that when he's talking about cryptocurrency, that his investment in Block One EOSIO should probably come up from time to time, considering that it's, it's the most used blockchain in the world and it does something that no other blockchain can do, which is real-world account names, a nearly instant and free transactions. Got it? So, you know, in, in he's a, as Trump said, you know, he's ahead of the curve. He saw block one. He saw the, 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 the new cutting-edge technology of EOSIO. So, again, these are all assumptions, but uh, he's a smart guy. He smelled block one before any other big investor, you know, a lot or most big investors, at least to his heavyweightness. So, um, mm -hmm. moving on. So, Peter Thiel's Founders Funds looks to bring big investors into cryptocurrencies. So, interesting. Um, uh, Peter Thiel invested in a company. Have you heard of, uh, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, I, I say it's Tagoni. It's a T-A-G-O-N-I. I'm terrible at pronouncing words that I'm used to reading. Most of my content like uh, input is all from reading, which is funny because the content I create is like visual and talking. Uh, but I always mess up names and pronunciation. So it's, it's okay. however you said it, it's the acceptable way. <laughs> well, anyway, so, so we, we have one Goldman Sachs alumni, that was Steve Bannon and Teal Connection, okay? Teal, Block One um, Connection. And now we've got this Tagany Connection. The Wall Street Journal reports that the legendary Silicon investor capital firm has made an early stage investment in Tag Tagany, a startup that aims to serve as a broker dealer for family offices, wealthy individuals, and other institutional investors. The startup, whose operations remain 
in such an early phase that not even its name is set in stone. It was co-founded by Greg Tussar, a former Goldman Sachs executive who ran the firm's electronic trading division. So this is basically um, an exchange OTC desk for rich investors. And this is uh, invested by Peter, Peter Thiel. Okay, and you know, they've another Goldman Sachs tie-in here with, uh, with Peter Thiel. This is their homepage. When account instant global access, Tagami combines institutional grade services with superior execution technology for digital assets and cryptocurrencies. Our products will provide operational ease and reduce trading costs so you keep more of your returns. Now this is geared for the 1%. Okay, institutions and, and the wealthy of, uh, of the crypto world. So Greg Tussar, he's the guy behind it, former Goldman uh, electronic trading head, sees perils in crypto. So Greg Tussar, the former gold, global head of electronic trading at Goldman Sachs Group. And again, we're tying in Goldman Sachs because they're the, the partner with Apple for the Apple card. Um, cited about digital assets despite the horrific year of cryptocurrencies is talking about the, the, the bear market we've seen. Um, so this, this is one sharp cookie here. Um, this is from the, uh, I think the, the wiki page. Um, Greg Tussar is the founder of Tagami Systems, served as global execution services at platform at KCG Holdings Inc, formerly Getco. Um, so this, this is, have you ever heard of uh, KCG Holdings? I, I have not, no. Okay, they're, they're pretty huge, but it was an American global financial services uh, firm engaging in market making, high frequency trading, electronic execution, and institutional sales and trading. So, um, you know, this Greg Tussar, you know, again, he was a, uh, he was a, you know, a big tech guy at Goldman Sachs, um, and so I'm just trying to, you know, make the connections here of, of who, who Peter Thiel is putting together in his rosters of making this ecosystem work. So he invested in Tagami with a, you know, that has a very sharp team that has mm -hmm. a track record of, of succeeding. Um, now we're moving on to uh, Bannon and Pierce. So are you aware of the, the Bannon and, and Pierce connection? Oh, yeah. very, very f And I knew about this for a long time. It just wasn't relevant until all of the Washington, D.C. news came out. And it's like, wait a minute. He's very, very closely connected to this guy who, like Teal, has had the president's ear for a very long time. Um, so Brock Pierce started a company called IGE a long time ago. And basically, he was a market maker for World of Warcraft gold. And Steve Bannon was actually on Brock Pierce's payroll as an employee. So he left Goldman Sachs to work at this company, IGE, which Brock Pierce founded. And Brendan Bloomer was also an employee at IGE around that same time. Brock Pierce left IGE and stepped down as CEO and went on to do other things. And then Steve Bannon stepped up as the next CEO to replace Brock Pierce. Exactly. And, you know, in Brock Pierce is just another, you know, rock star. I mean, you know, what he has done, not only in this space, but before this space is legendary. 
So, you know, here's another guy that has tremendous influence, not only just in the world of crypto, but in the world of, of business. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's just a bright guy. So, you know, these are just, um, you know, wiki about Steve Bannon. You know, Steve Bannon worked at Goldman Sachs as an investment banker and, and left as vice president. So he was a, 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 one of the vice presidents at Goldman Sachs when he left. So I'm sure he's in the Goldman Sachs you know, big boy club, you know, he's got the, you know, he's got somebody's ear over there and Brock Pierce has the ear of Steve Bannon. And I'm sure they've talked EOS IO again, speculation, but come on, you know, dots and dots, you know, we've got so many Goldman Sachs, you know, correlations here. It's not even funny, but um, Brock, Brock's definitely the glue that brings this all together. I mean, he's just the, the connector of people. So uh, there was a really popular article about Brock Pierce revitalizing Puerto Rico this summer in the Rolling Stone. And in the, in the article, they actually tell a story about how Derek Rundell, he's actually the, the venture capital, he's the fund manager for that Tomorrow BC, which uh, was announced as an EOS VC fund back in January 2018. Brock Pierce was actually the one that made that connection to uh, Eric Schmidt's VC fund. And they tell the story in that article about uh, how um, Derek Rundell met with Brock Pierce in Puerto Rico, and that's how they came to an agreement uh, for Tomorrow BC, which was a f originally announced as a $50 million collaboration between Block One and Tomorrow BC, which Tomorrow BC is a subsidiary VC fund of Eric Schmidt's. So if Eric Schmidt is involved in any way with Block One or EOSIO, we could probably credit Brock Pierce for that as well. Okay, now we can't forget about uh, oh, Michael Novogratz because, uh, again, you know, ex-head fund manager, formerly of the investment firm Fortress Investment Group. He was ranked a billionaire in Forbes 2007-2008 prior to joining Fortress. He was a partner at Goldman Sachs where he spent much time abroad, including leadership roles in Asia and Latin America. Now, he's a huge uh, EOS advocate. So I imagine, you know, drinks on a Friday night, you know, some of his uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, vice presidents, you know, he's talking up EOSIO. Again, speculation, but, uh, you know, Michael's a sharp cookie, so I can't imagine that uh, Goldman Sachs doesn't understand the power of EOSIO by now, by one of these Goldman Sachs ex-VPs. What, what are your thoughts on that? So... Mike Novogratz, he's obviously a, a big Bitcoin proponent as well as a big EOSIO component or proponent. He has by far the largest EOS VC fund with Galaxy Digital than any of the other funds. I, I don't know the exact number, but I think it's $325 million of yeah. Block One's uh, capital that they raised to basically um, distribute to, to uh, venture fund like seed capital and, and VC capital series a capital to all these projects So there's that tie in there, but he also has ties it uh, big tie-ins to Ethereum also um, So did you know that his uh, college roommate one of his close friends was Joe Lubin? No, I didn't so he, he's, he's As much as I want to believe that Mike Novogratz is just a huge EOSIO bull, I, I, I also want to be realistic that he's a big crypto bull in general. Oh, yeah. Most, I, I, most I, certainly. Yeah. So regardless of these connections, 
I'm sorry. I, I, I'm kind of ruining this rabbit hole here, but this is all big crypto news. Like I, 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 I don't think there's any doubt that blockchain and crypto are going to make huge strides in the next year. I just hope EOS IO has something to do with it, but I'm happy regardless of if it's just Bitcoin itself or, or as much as I want to hate to say it, Ethereum, but it did kind of piss me off a little bit that um, when the engine wallet got integrated into the, um, the Galaxy S10, it didn't even include Bitcoin. Like, uh, so that tells me that the S10 is going to be incorporating more cryptocurrencies very soon. Uh, if it doesn't even have Bitcoin yet. So I'm hoping ESIO is part of that too. That's completely out of left field. Mm -hmm. But I, I keep playing devil's advocate here. I want to believe, Mike, I want to believe. Yeah. But I, 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 this is exciting news to me just because I'm in favor of all like decentralized currencies, anything not fiat, like paper money backed. Like I, I'm a big proponent to advancing that whole initiative forward. I don't care if it's EOSIO or Bitcoin or even Ethereum. As long as uh, the current guard is getting made like the dinosaurs, then that's a huge win for everybody. Um, yeah. It's a competition. Oh, I, agree. I agree. I agree. Obviously, I'm cheering for EOSIO. I just want to put yeah, that yeah, out yeah. there. Just, well, you know, um, and, and back to Mike Novogratz. I mean, as you and I know, I mean, I've been all over this ecosystem. I, you know, I owned a tremendous amount of Ethereum and a tremendous amount of Ethereum projects over the years. And as soon as I actually started using EOS and the EOSIO ecosystem and, the, and the, how easy it was, account names that you, you can remember, not having to worry about gas, um, on and on, the ease of use of it, the, the electrified you know, EOS community, the exponential innovation. I can't believe that Michael Novogratz doesn't feel the same euphoria that we do when we look at this this overall EOSIO ecosystem. So I am bet I, I am betting that he is. Uh, yes, he is a big Ethereum guy, a big Bitcoin guy, but I have a feeling that EOS is the horse he he rides. Um, again, speculation. But uh, did you uh, get a chance to watch his interview or listen to his interview? I should say on uh, Pomp. No, I didn't. You know, I started to, and then uh, you know the kids needed something, and I just forgot about it. But uh, tell me. Uh, basically, Pomp asked him uh, like what he's most excited for, and uh, as far as blockchain in 2019. And he kind of tiptoed around it, and he like he held his cards close to his chest. If he um, like. I, th I think he's bullish on multiple aspects because I believe he has uh, some sort of equity stake in Coinbase also. So he mentioned Coinbase and then he mentioned something Ethereum related, but then he said something about EOSIO. And then you could tell he got lit, he lit up at that point. He said that was around the first time that the June news was public right. and he really, like perked up and was like, I, I can't say anything about it, but it's going to be like big. I, I don't remember the exact words. Yeah. You know, I remember but, I saw that part of the interview and he, he actually said, I think he said Block One was a, mm -hmm. one of the most powerful companies to keep your eye on. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But, um, you know, of course, he's, he's being interviewed by, by Pomp, so who's, who's a, you know, Bitcoin, he's the B Bitcoin guy. So, you know, you, you don't really know what, he, what Pomp thinks of EOS. So, you know, it's not the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth when you're talking to a Bitcoin guy. But uh, it was within the first, you know, a few, few mentions. It was Block One mm -hmm. and EOS. So, yeah, I do remember, remember that part of the interview. 
So, um, let's and as, as a as a Bitcoin bull, all these Goldman Sachs guys and Mike Novogratz in particular, let, let's not forget that Brendan Bloomer and uh, Dan Larimer themselves have been talking about scaling Bitcoin via EOS and EOSIO. So you could be a big Bitcoin bull, but you're probably not a bull on $25 per transaction at today's price that only goes up as the Bitcoin price goes up. So all of these institutions might have something to do with this technology. Like, However, they're planning to uh basically if eos io could become a better version of the lightning network and be adopted by these institutions like that's a huge win too so let's just not forget that um scaling bitcoin on eos io is not something that uh would be a surprise to anyone because it's all brendan bloomer has been tweeting about over the last month exactly exactly yeah and uh the more i dive into the lightning network the more confusing and messy it just seems um, in comparison to probably the e ease of use and the grace and uh, probably more decentralized um, and easy to use than, than the Lightning Network. But, uh, you know, we'll see those details unfold. But going back to the Goldman Sachs connections, Goldman Sachs and Mike Novogratz invest in cryptocurrency startup BitGo. So now we're going in the BitGo rabbit hole. Uh, Goldman Sachs and Novogratz, <laughs> Galaxy Digital Ventures <laughs> contributed 15 million. Um, the strategic investment from Goldman Sachs and Galaxy Digital Ventures validates both our market opportunity and unique position. No one is better positioned than BitGo to serve institutional investors who want to trade cryptocurrencies and digital assets. That's why we're focused on figuring out what it takes to secure a trillion dollars. So you've probably this is this is an old article from you know October 2018. But uh, have you heard about that trillion dollar wallet? No, I have not. Okay. Wallet? So, yeah, trillion. So that's, they're dubbing the Bitco wallet the, the first trillion dollar wallet. So meaning there, there's going to be so much value being exchanged and held in the Bitco ecosystem that they're, they're calling it the trillion dollar wallet. You know, it's not now, but uh, that's what they hope it to become. So, um, now this gets into uh, what you had me dive a little deeper into, which is the, the uh, equilibrium USDT. And um, do you want to talk on this for a second? Um, so the best way to describe the project without getting uh, too detailed in the nuances between the two is to compare it to uh, what MakerDAO does on Ethereum. So it's a collateral-backed stablecoin or an asset-backed stablecoin. What it allows you to do is you basically lock up your digital assets and then you're allowed to basically take out a loan against your assets um, in, in a stablecoin. So on MakerDAO, you lock up your Ethereum and you get DAI in return. And those DAI are pegged to $1 each. And with, with this, uh, with Equilibrium, it would allow you to uh, lock up EOS into a contract and then in return, you would get EOSD dollar tethers, which are equivalent to $1. So it's basically almost like a lending system that allows you to uh, take out loans against your digital assets. And today, it's just EOS. And on MakerDAO, it's just Ethereum. Um, but they both have plans to allow other liquid assets and eventually STOs and eventually like tokenized real estate and all that fun stuff. You'll basically be able to use them as collateral to create uh, stable dollars in the future. Yeah. And this is live now. 
It is. Um, so I'm still not ready to tell everyone to go all in and put all their EOS in here, but it's, it, it's, it's worth trying out with a small amount of EOS while the project's still young. They have a super legitimate team. Oh yeah. Um, but the, the nut token, so the nut token is their governance token. So you got to hold your nuts. <laughs> um, that, they still haven't rolled out their, um, press release or publicity or whatever documentation on their distribution for the nut token. So until they do that, I, I'm not going to recommend everyone to just throw your EOS into this, but the team, no doubt about it. And I think that's where you're going. The team, no doubt about it is completely legit. One of the most legitimate teams, uh, out of any of this, there aren't really no yeah. stable coins on EOS. There's carbon USD, but it's completely different. This, this team's, uh, got that Goldman Sachs pedigree and it doesn't say it on this page, but Alex is the co-founder of Chain Jelly, which is basically a crypto-to-crypto shapeshift-like exchange that has existed for years. Yeah, and I've, I've, used, I've used Chain Jelly many times. I know Alex. Uh, he's a really good guy. Um, so seeing him as the CEO of this project really you know, gave me excitement. I was like, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and then you know, here's another one of our Goldman Sachs kind of links. You know, um, you know Dave Askey. Um, system architect, former executive director at Goldman Sachs. And then to his left, Josh uh, Goodbody, former VP at JP Morgan Asset Management. So, oh, and then ex-legal counselor, counselor at State Street, um, which, which is huge. So, um, you know, this is just, just a dynamic, successful team. I mean, these, these, are, these guys are the real deal. Um, mm -hmm. So moving on here, uh, so Goldman Sachs owns Circle, right? And we've talked about this in the past. Uh, it's not really being talked about lately, but um, Goldman Sachs backed startup launch a stablecoin cryptocurrency. Um, on September 26th, Circle announced the release of its new stablecoin USD, coin USDC, which will begin trading on Circle's Poloniex exchange immediately. The new USDC stablecoin will be full, fully collateralized by USD at a one-to-one -one ratio. So Circle, the company, up until December 2016, Circle Pay also operated as a also operated a Bitcoin wallet service to buy and sell Bitcoins. It has since ceased to provide such service, claiming the company is now more than ever not a consumer Bitcoin exchange and will continue to focus resources on global social payments and future next generation blockchain technology. The company has received over 135 million in venture capital from four rounds of investments from 2013, 2016, including uh, 50 million led by Goldman Sachs. So Circle Trade, principal over-the-counter desk since 2014, we've been a leading liquidity provider and market maker for crypto assets. In 2018, we handled over 24 billion in notional volume. So I didn't realize that they've been around that long and that they did that much volume. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, this is the first I'm seeing that number. That, that's, a, that's a pretty big number. Uh, so I guess my questions on here is, it's not really a question. Um, so we've seen the research that came out over the last month about how most exchange volume is fake. I don't think you could fake OTC volume though, can you? I mean, it's peer to peer essentially with a middleman as the desk in between. Yeah. I don't know how regulated it is, but, uh, you know, 
I don't, I don't think they're wash trading on an OTC desk is basically what I'm saying. But, yeah. No volume. But knowing Goldman Sachs owns Circle, um, and Goldman Sachs is also partnered with Apple Card, I'm sure mm. Goldman Sachs is coaching or at least offering um, some sort of technical advice or, or insights from their dealings in the crypto sphere to offer them a, a doorway into the future. So again, speculation, but... Um, Goldman Sachs has been like very quiet and hush-hush and almost secretive about the, their plans with crypto also. Right. So that usually tells you that there's more to it if they're not talking about it. Because if there really was nothing to it, they would just say, hey, there's nothing to it. But right. the fact that they're very, very hush-hush and working quietly tells me that, that there's something in the works. Oh, yeah. So circle pay, send money between currencies, countries, and friends. I got yeah, I put Goldman Sachs on there. But um, you know, paying friends is simple and fast. Crossed our emoji heart. The app is even organized by conversations. So you can add a fresh cat pick, blah, blah. So it's kind of like integrating multimedia or social media and, and payments. But again, it's just, you know, Goldman Sachs, Apple Card, I'm sure they're they're ex they're exchanging ideas. Um, I, I would love to be a you know fly in the wall circle again. Uh, their USD coin, USDC, is a US dollar backed stablecoin that lets you move across dollar and crypto rails instantly. It's the power of the dollar at the speed of crypto. The coin's USD reserves are documented by Grant Thornton each month. So you know, thinking about Apple Card, if they're using blockchain. Um, and they're being partnered with Goldman Sachs. Don't you think that would be a great avenue for Goldman Sachs to say, hey, you know, we've got USDC with tons of, you know, liquidity, and um, it's, 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 already, it's already working. Now, I, I do know that USDC is currently on Ethereum, but there's no reason why that can't be ported over to a more robust system, um, or even through IBC somehow. But, um, you know, I would think that, you know, Goldman Sachs is a, has a big stake in getting their USDC coin used and adopted. So for me, it's kind of like they're at the table talking. I'm sure their USDC is going to come up in conversation somehow. What do you think? Well, so just think if, if USDC is basically a dollar, it's a tokenized dollar. So go, go back to how the Coinbase debit card works. And it's basically an atomic swap at the register. So if they, they have an exchange in place, they have Circle and Poloniex with a very liquid, uh, e or not EOS, USDC. So at the cash register, if this Apple Pay wor works the same way I described the Coinbase card, they, they have all of the pieces there. I buy a $10 item at the gas station. I swipe my card. On the back end, you have this circle exchange and, and Poloniex. All that's happening is like you would designate in this Apple wallet like which uh, cryptocurrencies you'd want to sell first and in what order. On the back end, all it's doing is it'd be like an EOS to USDC swap. And then those USDCs would go into um, like, like the account, the payments account. Um, if, if the retailer wants actual dollars, then it's an easy swap from USDC to dollars. Uh, but if it's held in dollars, like an escrow, I don't want to say escrow, but if, it, if it's held somewhere in USDC, you don't have to worry about the volatility. 
So in the, re the time for remittance, for converting those USDCs into actual dollars for whoever accepted that payment, uh, it, it, it's not too far off. All of the tools, all of the pieces are in place for this to work without a problem. Um, right. I, I'm just, I'm excited to see who does this first uh, because um, when you look into BACT, which is the other big uh, exchange, we're waiting on their big ETF uh, right now so that they could create their institutional exchange. I, I envision them having a similar like backend infrastructure that does a, does a very similar thing. So right. I'm, I'm excited to learn how, how, how closely tied Goldman Sachs and Circle are to um, Apple and Apple Pay. How much do you have conversations with the big global banks in terms of integrating blockchain into the already established international financial system? Well, we're still in the stage of doing a lot of awareness um, with these financial institutions. As I mentioned, our new group president was the former CFO of Commonwealth Bank. So um, we do have a lot of expertise in the organization that's taking a look at kind of the technology that we've been building. And how it can you know, relay over into their core banking software. So some of those discussions are happening, but a lot of the banks are still in the early stages of understanding how they can maximize this technology and to move them to the next generation. I didn't know about this connection. So I'm, I'm super excited about all of this because I, I see this as the future is going to be at the register. As far as the retailers are concerned, they're just getting dollars or euros or pesos, whatever their local currency is. But in the background, there's all of these atomic swaps going on so that the, the like it's instantaneous and you don't even have to think about it because it's all, if, as long as you have very liquid uh, currencies, this could all happen in the background without you even knowing about it. What's this slide? I see the next slide. Is Apple involved with EOS? Overheard Tim Cook talking about block producers? Yeah, so this is just pure speculation, Reddit speculation, but it kind of ties into to Kent uh, at the beginning video, um, EOS San Diego. And uh, I figured since we started with speculation, we'd kind of end with uh, massive speculation. Is Apple involved with EOS at all? Overheard Tim Cook talking about BPs. The last six months, I've been running into Tim Cook at my local Equinox in Palo Alto. I've never said a word to him, but I recently overheard him speaking with another guy about VPs. My ears obviously perked up, but I couldn't make out much of the conversation. We're in the steam room. Only that Tim wanted to become a VP or something along these lines. I couldn't recognize the other guy, but he was Asian, possibly already a block producer in Asia. I know a large proportion of our current VPs are in Asia at the moment. If Apple are indeed looking to get into the space, is that good or bad for EOS? They obviously have the infrastructure to be a top block producer, but if MS, Amazon, Google, et cetera, all became block producers, wouldn't that go against the entire idea of EOS, especially since these are all US-based companies? I'm trying to see the big picture, and it makes sense that in the future these companies will jump in, but also it worries me. Well, my response to him is, is that would be great because they would all be holding yeah. themselves accountable and it's all immutable, it's transparent, um, or at least, you know, segments of it would be. What are your thoughts on that? No, no that, that would be a beautiful thing. I, I think that would basically say that we made it.
right. um, it might suck for some of the smaller independent block producers that would get bumped uh, down a bunch of notches. But at the end of the day, like to have these established monster companies running nodes, running block producers, they would hold each other accountable. Like you said, like right now they they basically just run everything in, in their monopoly and they, they could make whatever decisions they want. Whereas if, if they're all uh, working together on whether it's EOS or another blockchain or uh, Neosio fork, whatever it is, then they need that. Like speaking of the EOS mainnet, they can't make any changes without a 15 out of 21 multi-sig out of the active block producer. So that check on their power makes all the difference in the world. Like we need to make iterative improvements to where we want to go. And I don't think anyone could say that having that check on their power is not better than how, how things are today. Exactly. So I think that'd be amazing. That would, that would basically mean we've hit mainstream adoption. I, I hope that this stuff were, were to happen, but I, I, I don't see it in the super short term, but five years from now, like that, that would mean if, if Google, Amazon or Microsoft if any one or two of them is running a block producing node on EOS IO, I don't care what chain it is. That means we made it. Right. So that, that's, that'd yeah. be a beautiful thing. Cause if, if one of those big guys did it, then everybody would follow. In fashion. I, I think, I think we're going to see a, a, a day and it's not going to like be all that far off where there's going to probably be a one click deployment on Amazon web services to deploy a private blockchain the same way you can click it to deploy a SQL database. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what I see happening and it's not too far off really. So kind of rounding off the presentation here to create a different kind of card. We worked with a different kind of partner, Goldman Sachs slash circle slash USDC. <laughs> I'm throwing that in there, but uh, <laughs> Goldman Sachs, EOS. Huh? The Goldman Sachs connections like as clear as day so really it's just connecting uh block one to all i i think this is huge for crypto i i don't have any doubt about it but i i think i need a little bit more evidence to tie eos io into all of this but bullish for crypto as a whole well regardless if uh you know this whole apple card thing is legit or not tied in with eos what is happening in the eos io ecosystem from liquid dApps to Chintai checks to, um, you know, the, the, the side chains, sister chains. What's happening in this ecosystem is, is like nothing I've ever seen in my life or in any other microcosm in the crypto space. It's, it's really magical. And, you know, and I watched the, um, what is this, Frank Chester's uh, talk, Brock Pierce on the uh, Chestahedron, and, and that yeah. really you know, sparked a lot of interesting ideas in my mind and thinking of the, the, the best way to describe it is the magic in this ecosystem. Uh, the exponential innovation is just unreal. So whether or not Apple Card is a thing, this, play, this thing is, this train's not slowing down. It's just crazy to look back at like that big run we had in 2017 whenever it was big news if like an ICO partnered with another ICO and neither of them like were even established. <laughs> and now we're basically talking about ESIO and Block One maybe doing stuff with the US government, which is like the biggest company in the world. And then Goldman Sachs, which is like one of the biggest financial players in the world that they manage so much money and just tokenizing assets. It's like the, the stuff 
in 2019 is so much bigger and so much more real than in 2017, but yet the market cap doesn't show it, but the market cap is not a good indication of innovation because we are so like far ahead right now. It's like all of these false promises of 2017 are, are, are starting to come to fruition now, two years later, but mm. every day, every day, right. <laughs> every day, something, yeah. something big. It's hard to keep up with everything. I mean, I, I, you know, I listen to you and I listen to you and Rob talk. And I'm thinking, God, I wish I, I had half their brains, man. They're so intelligent. <laughs> and they, I love you guys' show. I mean, you offer Thank so you. much value to this ecosystem. Uh, you know, you guys inspire me greatly. So, you know, I know this is going on long. Um, so maybe we should start to wrap this up. But, you know, thank you for having me on again. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge honor, Zach, to speak with you about all this. Uh, hope to do it many times again in the future. Yes, sir. I can't wait, man. I, I appreciate these talks. I'll, I'll talk EOS all day, every day. Um, and the audience seems to like it. So let, let's just keep going. How, how do we, how do we want to sign off here though? We, I, I'm, I'm not going to do the salute this time. Bam! <laughs> three, two, three, two, one. Go EOS! Go EOS! <laughs> Hopefully we got it. If we didn't, people could just laugh at us. That's okay. This time. Bam! <laughs>